and we are back. We're not the only ones. We'll get into a little bit more of that later. I'm Jimmy Sullivan here in studio. Matt Costantini, Nick DeLuca, over the phone. Guys, how was your New Year's? It was great, Jimmy. I, I saw you on New Year's Eve. I was at the Devils game. That yes, sir. You were covering for, for WSUV, so it was good to see you over break. Uh, and, you know, it, it was a great weekend of college football, capped off by uh, yesterday's games. Nick? New, Year, new Year's in Buffalo was good, and my New Year's was certainly better than Georgia, Washington, Penn State, and UCF. <laughs> well said. Well said. We're going to get into all of those teams. We're going to get into the playoff, get into the national title game, Clemson, Alabama 4. But first, guys, um, we have some massive news uh, in the college football world, and I, I think you know what I'm talking about. So let's sound what, the alarm. What could you be talking about, Jimmy? I'm going to let my, my old friend Joe Tessator take it away here. Yes, they are. As <laughs> Sam Ellinger, oh boy, as Sam Ellinger said last night, the Texas Longhorns defeated Georgia twenty-eight twenty-one. The motivation for Georgia was, uh, shall we say, questionable. Uh, they obviously missed the playoff by not a lot, and they clearly—I wouldn't say clearly—but you could kind of tell that some of the edge had been taken off of them. They were down seventeen nothing in the first half. But Texas gets the one they wanted, a 10-win season. I think that's the first time. That might be the first time since 2009. I'll have to look into that to make sure. But It is. It is, yes. It is. It is. So yeah. we've been waiting almost 10 years to say this. Texas is back. Matt, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on last night, this momentous occasion in college football. Texas really is back. I mean, I, I sent you a DM on Twitter, and it was after the – the first couple of series in that game. Texas went down, scored. Georgia had a catastrophic punt attempt where the <laughs> punter accidentally took a knee, and they gave the Texas the ball on the 20-something yard line where they got a field goal out of it. And that was kind of just how the rest of the game really played out for Georgia. And I really think that you put it a great way. The motivation for Georgia to play in this game was questionable at best. I mean, you were talking before the show. They kind of fell victim to the Auburn syndrome of last year where a team that lost the SEC championship game that would have had a chance to make the playoff didn't, and then their ensuing bowl game, they just didn't look good, and they got beat by what is most likely a less superior team. Uh, that's not taking anything away from Texas because they played basically the perfect game. Uh, no turnovers. Sam Ellinger had the perfect game manager game, 19 of 27, 169 passing yards. He had a, a couple rushing yards here and there, a rushing touchdown, I believe. And, you know, shout out to Texas. We kind of joked all, all season about them and were they really back and, and what was going to happen. We thought that they were a year ahead of schedule and turns out that they were right on time. I was certainly impressed by Texas's effort last night, but I'd like to pump the brakes on Texas being back. Okay. They were, they were impressive. 
And I was particularly impressed with the way that they controlled the line of scrimmage against a Georgia team that is extremely strong along that offensive line and the defensive line in particular in the front seven. So credit to Texas for doing that. But again, I think it's really very similar to a game we saw in 2014 that we were just talking about. And in Oklahoma beating Alabama in 2014, where where Alabama narrowly misses out on, on getting to the national championship and being in the national championship conversation, and they get steamrolled by Oklahoma in a sugar bowl that clearly they don't want to be at. So I, I think that if there's anybody who could make a team focus and play in a game that they didn't want to play in, quote-unquote, after narrowly missing out uh, on being in the national championship conversation, I think it's Nick Saban. And if Nick Saban wasn't able to do it in 2014, I think Kirby Smart, in the absence of Mel Tucker and some changes in that coaching staff, I, I think he would have a hard time doing that as well. Look, they were Texas was very impressive, but you have to question the Georgia motivation. And I, I think they, they were impressive last night, but I, I think we need another year of this. They still lost to Maryland. They still they competed with Oklahoma, but again, Oklahoma had some major deficiencies on the defensive end. So I'd like to see can they continue to recruit the way they they have because they've got the players. They had the players last year. Can they can they continue to recruit and maybe even recruit a little bit better to really put place themselves firmly in that national championship conversation? So so here's what I'm going to say about this, and I think everybody's absolutely right about Georgia. You know, you could tell that it just wasn't quite there for them last night. And Jake Fromm was awful. Uh, he had one of the worst. He looked so bad. He looked awful. I mean, the the throw across his body into traffic. I don't know why he did that, but I'm gonna. I'm not gonna pump the brakes on Texas. Be, and here's why. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm dead serious about this. All the stars are aligning for them next year. Dana Holgerson left for Houston, so West Virginia maybe goes a little bit down, and Will Greer is leaving too. Kyler Murray's leaving Oklahoma. Oklahoma is still gonna be up there probably, but. It'll be probably Oklahoma and Texas competing for that conference again next year. And if a couple things go differently, Texas wins. Of course, they got to get past Maryland. I don't think are they play in Maryland next year. I don't believe they are. So, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna look this up to make sure. But you know, Maryland's Maryland's been like the toughest game on their schedule the last two years. So no, I don't think yeah, no, they are not. But Sam Ellinger looked good last night and. I'm telling you, the hype going into next year on him is going to be big. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on some some Heisman watch list next year. I think he's a guy. I can see that. Yeah, because he's a guy that people are starting to fall in love with. I saw the comparisons to Tim Tebow last night. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little far fetched. He's but... a better he's a better thrower of the football than Tim Tebow. Yeah, yeah, I, think so. I agree with that. But you know, not as much of a threat as a runner, though. So I, it's it's a little bit now. different. But yeah, but this is this is a huge win for Texas. I mean, you take take all that out of it, and I know Georgia, all things considered equal they would have won but i don't care this is a huge win for texas it's going to help them in recruiting they get to 10 wins and and hey who knows they, they're building something really good down there now granted of course the hype's going to be if they lose a game next year everybody's going to make the jokes of oh is texas back blah 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 but right i i think it's there for them i i really do something i want to i want to say about georgia though and you can call it karma you can call it whatever you want I saw a lot of Georgia players on Twitter on Saturday night kind of clowning Oklahoma and Notre Dame for their lackluster performances, and then they go out and, and play like they did last night. It's not a good look. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I mean, Twitter fingers turned to, uh, trigger fingers turned to Twitter fingers, you know? <laughs> I can't even say it right. But, no, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And, 
you know, there have been teams in the past. I remember the first year of the playoff, TCU got in the Peach Bowl. They obviously didn't want to be in the Peach Bowl. You know what they did? They spanked Ole Miss because that's what they do. I mean, some right. teams do better with the motivation than others, but it's a bad, it's a bad effort from Georgia. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I still would say they should have been in the playoff because I don't think this affects what they did in the regular season. You know, you make the decision on December second to put Oklahoma over Georgia. This doesn't factor into it, so I, I don't think this really tells me anything. But man, I mean, Kirby Smart's just got to have his guys better ready to play. I mean, I don't think there's really a heck of a lot of an excuse for that. I, I'm sorry. I think it's very hard, though, when you're at an SEC school. I think in the case of Gary Patterson, it might be a little bit easier because TCU, winning the Peach Bowl for TCU, especially, you know, as opposed to winning the Cheez-It Bowl this year, is somewhat of a big deal. You know, you're in the national championship conversation at TCU. You've got guys who aren't – there aren't as many NFLers. There aren't as many personalities. Getting guys to play at a, at a program like TCU and maybe Ole Miss, I, I don't remember the game, but is Ole Miss that good, whatever, can they play with the distractions? I don't think that's that hard. I think it's harder when you have the higher-profile players, guys who are more likely to sit out in the culture – of college football today where guys, oh, is it a bowl game? I don't want to get hurt. I want to protect my future. I want to do all the things that are going to make me successful going forward. Am I going to put everything I have into a game that really, at the end of the day, is meaningless if you're Georgia? So Nick Saban had trouble with it. I'm not surprised that Kirby Smart had trouble with it. I think it's just hard for coaches in general, especially at SEC schools, to deal with it that way when you're at Georgia and you're in Alabama and you're not playing in games that are, your end game. You're, you're not playing in the national championship because that, that's where Georgia's goals are. That's where Alabama's goals are. When you're when you're not playing for those things, you failed as a program in those two places and in the SEC in a lot of cases. Yeah, so that'll be be interesting to see what happens there down at Georgia. They're going to be good next year. Justin Fields is transferring, but Jake Fromm will be back, and most of their guys will be back. So I, I would imagine they'll be right up there. Again, next year, but Texas, maybe. This might be the one. Maybe. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. I think this is going to be – this right here in maybe four or five years, I think we'll look back and say this was the game that started Texas back on their path. And this is a – I think this is a career-defining win for Tom Herman. Sure. Sure. Yeah, there was a game – I don't remember it, obviously, but when Miami started getting good in the early 2000s, they had a bowl game. It was a little lower than the Sugar Bowl. I want to say it might have been like the Holiday Bowl or something, and they destroyed, I think it was UCLA, and everybody said, oh, here comes Miami. Next three years, they were in the national title discussion. All three years, they won a national title. They should have won, too. Not saying the same thing's going to happen at Texas, just saying that I think that's what they're trying to build towards. So a lot of that will depend, right. depend on the Big 12. And speaking of the Big 12, Data Holgerson – leaving West Virginia. He's going to Houston. $20 million deal for him. I think that took some people by surprise uh, Coming uh, that news coming down this weekend involving Data Holger City. He leaves West Virginia, goes to Houston. It seems like, at best, a lateral move. I don't think it's a lateral move. I think it's a downgrade. Major Applewhite at Houston was fired after two years. He went 15-11. and 11. He fought with Ed Oliver a lot. And uh, that's kind of his legacy there. And now Dana Holgerson goes into the situation. So I kind of wanted to broach that. And, Nick, I guess I'll start with you. Uh, it seemed like a very odd move for me, no matter how maybe unhappy he was in uh, Morgantown, wouldn't you say? I would say it was a very interesting move. At Most politely, I'll say it that way. It was very, to me, 
bit of a head scratcher. You know, Dana has been a pretty good has been pretty good at West Virginia, but I, I think it became pretty clear that he wanted to leave, and when he wasn't able to maneuver his way to potentially a, a better job, you know, I think it was still apparent that maybe in recruiting or or otherwise that he really couldn't stick around. I think maybe that's the best explanation for it, that he really just needed to get out of West Virginia no matter what happened or what went on. And Houston may have been his best option right now, and, and you never know what may happen in the future, but it doesn't look like there are too many more jobs that would potentially come available that would be better than, say, a Houston job right now. But, it, it, you know, he, he sort of dug himself a hole when it became apparent he, he kind of had to get out when there was talk about him potentially wanting to leave to go elsewhere in the Big 12. That was reported and, you know, seeing if he wanted to get out. So it's an odd move, but we'll see, we'll see if it works. It's a good hire for Houston, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm not even going to try to be polite about it and say it might be a, a lateral move. I think Dana Holmgrenson just took the worst job. Mm. I, I don't understand how you can go from a perennial top 25 team in West Virginia to a team that struggles to even crack the top, the top 25 in Houston. Um, I guess you could say that he was unhappy in Morgantown and he he probably did end up wanting another job, but why not just stay another year and see what becomes available next year? Because he's going to have a long way to go with this Houston team. They're losing their best player in Ed Oliver. So he's basically having to rebuild this program. And it just seems like a very strange move for him and we're going to have to see what West Virginia does now because now they're in the, the market for a head coach in a, in a college football market that doesn't really seem to have a lot of big names available. Yeah, all the big names kind of went off the board already when you think about it because everybody sort of filled their jobs already. But it's a strange – you know what's strange about this to me is that if Holgerson waits one more year – I think USC is going to be open at this time next year because Clay, Hel- Clay Helton is, is on a, a pretty hot seat, and unless they really turn it around there, I think he's done. He could have waited, gotten some interviews at USC, and, and see if he gets in there, and instead he doesn't do it. And then you look at maybe some of the other jobs that could be open at this time next year. I don't want to speculate on any of that because it's so early and you're waiting for things to happen that maybe maybe they don't happen, but it's just a strange move to me that – He's so desperate to get out of West Virginia, which is, truth be told, not a bad situation. And and he wants to go to Houston? I mean, that's just a, a bizarre, bizarre move to me, especially when you consider, I mean, he look, he's getting good money from Houston, don't get me wrong, but that really shouldn't play a, a role in it all that much. And it's not like I don't think he was paying bad, he was getting paid badly by West Virginia. It, it just seems very odd to me where he goes from one place where he can compete, field a good team, and now he goes to Houston where they're clearly not on the upswing and they're losing, you know, a top five draft pick next year. I just, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that this West Virginia team was a, a game or two away from competing for not only the Big 12 championship, but for for a bigger a bigger bowl game. And oh, yeah. sure that loss against Syracuse was bad in, in the Camping World Bowl, but that's without their starting quarterback, so I'm not going to really hold it against them. But 
Yeah, I mean, bad loss at Iowa State, fine. They beat Texas, but then it's a bad loss against Oklahoma State, and then it's a close shootout loss against Oklahoma. So they weren't really far away from accomplishing everything that they could have hoped for this year. It's just a very, very odd situation. Nick, you got any last thoughts on that? The only thing I I really think it is an odd situation, but I, I would tell you that my best guess with this whole situation is that there were reports that Holgerson was interested in going to Texas Tech after Cliff Kingsbury was fired. Dana, of course, comes from Texas Tech. He's the offensive coordinator there for a while before he went to West Virginia. So there were reports that he wanted to go there. It didn't end up happening. Texas Tech hires Matt Wells. So then it's sort of in limbo, like, hey, Dana, if you're from a West Virginia perspective, hey, Dana, why are you looking at other jobs? Why are you trying to get out? You know, why are you trying to make a lateral move within our conference? Doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, the optics there aren't great. So then maybe does he have to leave? Is it trouble with recruiting? Does West Virginia want him to stay with the sort of breach of loyalty in that respect? And then, you know, he ends up at Houston because it's an available job. It'll be interesting to see where West Virginia goes from here, too. Uh, I don't know who they're going to want or, or what direction they're going to want to go in. But this is our first show since last Saturday, since the playoff games. I think we'd be remiss not to get into that at least a little bit. Both games pretty much stinkers. Clemson destroyed Notre Dame after the first quarter. They won twenty uh, 30-3, to rather. Alabama beats Oklahoma 45-34. That game probably wasn't that close. Uh, Oklahoma made a late comeback. It didn't quite work out for them. Uh, Tua outduels Kyler, a matchup of the two Heisman finalists. Uh, Matt, I know it was a, a tough weekend for your boys and, and, and for Brian Kelly, but uh, you know it, it, was, it was a great year for ND. But now we got Alabama-Clemson for the fourth time in as many years, and and uh, this is going to be this is going to be maybe I don't want to say it's going to be the best Alabama-Clemson game, but it's going to be it's going to be right up there. Yeah, getting getting to those semifinal games first, um, I guess everyone kind of expected the Clemson Notre Dame game to go the way it did. I was obviously hoping for a little bit better performance, but even without Dexter Lawrence, that defense is still elite, and Notre Dame could not do anything against them. Um, Trevor Lawrence really did his thing. He he stepped up to the to his really first big moment of his young young career. Um, and then in the Alabama Oklahoma game, you're right that the final score does not show how how poorly Oklahoma played and how dominant Alabama really was. Um, but what it does kind of show us moving into this championship game is that Alabama's defense needs to play so much better than they did against Oklahoma because sure they have that electric offense, the best offense in the country. But Clemson's no slouch on offense, and if you're giving up 34 to Oklahoma, you really need to be on your game if you want to beat Clemson. And as far as Alabama's offense goes, um, Stuart Tagovailo was saying in his post-game interview that he still didn't really feel 100% uh, and that he was still trying to work through his ankle injury. But you're throwing for 318 yards, putting up 45 points, that's and you're not 100%, that's a little scary if you're Clemson's defense. So when you say this is possibly going to be the best out of the four games that we got, I would not think that's a stretch at all, and I would tend to agree with that statement. Um, all I know is that it's going to be real, real exciting.
I think that it's what we all expected, and quite frankly, this year would have been a good year for the BCS, the old system, because it would have had had us with Alabama and Clemson, and that's the way it's going to end up. So I think maybe this year the talk about the expansion of the playoff and everything else, the system might be a little bit overblown in terms of Maybe we just we have to focus on two teams just being so much better than everybody else and really lapping the field. And we saw that in the semifinal game because both both teams really dominated. I was extremely impressed with Trevor Lawrence on uh, whenever it was last week uh, against against Notre Dame, and and I thought he was fantastic. He threw for 327 yards. Clemson got it done. They ran for for 211. That offense was really really good, and then the defense. I think plays about as we expected because Notre Dame's offense is really, quite frankly, not that good when you can shut down the running game. They they only ran for 88 yards, and Clemson did a good job of that. Front seven, as we expected, doing a good job. And, you know, Ian Book wasn't able to, to do much else in a one-dimensional Notre Dame offense after they fell behind. And Alabama, excellent on the offensive end again, playing a subpar defense, but not surprised to see them put up the numbers they did. I am not as concerned with Alabama's defense just because they are playing an offense of the caliber of Oklahoma and playing against a a coordinator, a play caller in Lincoln Riley, who, again, we think so highly of. He's fantastic. So Alabama's going to have to play. I think they'll have to play better than they did against Oklahoma. Because I think that the semifinal games and the way Clemson has played as of late has shown that they can win this game. So I'm really excited to see how it goes down. But Clemson has a shot, and it's going to be a really good game next Monday. It's nice to be able to sit here and finally say, because I feel like I've been a little bit fatalistic throughout the season. We're going, ah, it doesn't matter. I feel like Clemson's got a genuine shot to win this game, and I don't think Alabama should be a big favorite at all. And you know, Clemson looked so good last week, and, and that's a really good Notre Dame defense that Trevor Lawrence operated on. He he had complete command in that game. And the thing with Oklahoma that impressed me and maybe concerned me a little bit for Alabama, they did all that without Hollywood Brown, basically without Hollywood Brown, because he didn't do anything in that game. He was out there for some of the snaps, but he he wasn't really what he was, and he didn't have a catch, I don't believe. And it was really just CeeDee Lamb and, and Calcaterra, and that was pretty much it for that Oklahoma attack. And they still kind of ripped up Alabama. So I think if they play like that again, I'm just going to come flat out and say it. I think if they play like that again, they're going to lose. And, you know, I, I know it's you don't, you'd want to pump the brakes a little bit because they were playing such a good offense, but it's concerning. I mean, you sit there and you say, they said all week, they said this isn't going to be a shootout. We don't get in shootouts. What happened? They got in a shootout. And it's just it concerns me about Alabama, but these are the two best teams in the country by a wide margin. And that I was even thinking about this today. You know, if this was an A-team playoff, and I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, I don't think it would have been any different. I don't see any difference here where it doesn't wind up being Alabama and Clemson. Because no, the, yeah, no. these are the two no. best teams. These are the two best teams in America. It's by so much, it's not even close. And frankly, I don't think an eighteen playoff is going to fix that if that's your problem. Because th- they're so much better than everyone. I mean, you saw two versus three, where it really looked like two versus unranked on Saturday. Essentially, uh, the talent gap is just so wide between these two teams. And by the way, this is 
it is, and it isn't to discredit Notre Dame because they're so far behind Clemson, and they genuinely are the third or fourth best team in the country. I'd have them at four behind Georgia, but that's one of the top four teams in the country getting thoroughly outclassed by a Clemson team that is so much better than they are. It's really insane how much better Alabama and Clemson are than everybody else. Yeah, you're right. And this game is opening at minus six for Alabama, over under 59 and a half. Um, I, I would take the under in that case. And I think a six-point spread is fair considering how Alabama has played all year and just how elite their, both their offense and defense is. I think it's, a, it's that high because people might be a little skeptical about how Trevor Lawrence is going to – kind of react to the spotlight of the national championship game, which I think that he will be able to do just fine. And Jimmy, just something you said about Alabama not, not getting in shootouts. They don't get in shootouts often, but when they do, they never look nervous. I, no. I, I, never, I never thought for a second on, on Saturday that they might lose that game. They just looked in complete control. Yeah, yeah Oklahoma was scoring, but... Alabama was scoring more, and that's what it really comes down to. So I'll, I'll take Alabama in a close game. I'll take Alabama in a shootout. I, don't, I just think that this is the best team that they have fielded in a long time, and that's saying something considering how many championships they've won in the past decade or so. I think you have to, Matt, I think you have to pay attention to the defense that they're playing as well, though. They didn't look concerned because all they needed were two or three stops and the game is over. And that's something that we had discussed going into that game, that just the, the liability that Oklahoma's defense is. So I, I agree that I think Alabama should be favored in this game, but I think the biggest thing to pay attention to and what we saw out of Oklahoma is that Kyler Murray, in addition to throwing for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, ran for over 100. Now, Kyler Murray is a much better runner and, quite frankly, a much better athlete than Trevor Lawrence is. But at times we were able to see in the game against Notre Dame, Trevor Lawrence use his, his legs to extend plays and run a little bit. Not that he ran with a lot of success, but I think that's the biggest thing to pay attention to going forward because Alabama has traditionally struggled against mobile quarterbacks and guys that can make plays and extend plays. That's Deshaun Watson. That's Johnny Manziel just the games that they've lost recently. So I think you have to pay attention to this. And if Trevor Lawrence can make some plays with his legs, running the football and, and extending plays, I think Alabama's defense might be in for, for a fight. And, and you know, if they, if they play the way they did against Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma doesn't have the defense to make them pay for it. But make no mistake about it, Clemson does. The, the thing that impresses me the most about these two teams and I'll I'll give my pick later. I'll save it for the end. the The role that young players have played over these last four years. You look at 2015. Deshaun Watson's a sophomore. 2016. Jalen Hurts starts that title game. Freshman. 2017. Last year national title game. Tua comes in as a freshman, leads them to the national title game. 2018. You're going to have a freshman starting in Trevor Lawrence. It's just you got these young guys like a Lawrence, like a Watson, like a Hurts. They just don't get flustered, and I think that speaks as much to Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban than it does anything because these are it's two teams where guys are not going to be afraid of the moment. And I think the big thing, too, for Clemson, sort of switching gears here, but not really, if they get Dexter Lawrence back, which I, I think they will. I mean, we'll have to see to make sure. But if they get Dexter Lawrence back, that defense is totally different. They just gave up three points to Notre Dame without him. 
And if you get him back, this Clemson defense is going to be coming. Whether or not they're successful, we'll see. But Dexter Lawrence could be a huge addition to this to this Clemson defense. And who knows, him being there, that might be the difference to maybe put them over the top. So maybe, yeah, maybe. yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it's three points without him against Notre Dame's offense, which is vastly subpar to Alabama's offense. So could you make the argument that Alabama's offense puts up 30 without Lawrence compared to 24 with him? I don't know. Yeah, remains to be seen. Be interesting to see, but we got a, a few minutes left here on this day of days here in college football. Let's go around. Matt, you already gave your pick. Maybe just expound a little bit on why. Alabama Clemson four. Who comes out on top? Who's the national champion in twenty eighteen? Oh, geez. You know, I'm it's it's hard because I really love Clemson. I love their defense. I think they have had the most dominant defense, including Georgia, in the country over the past two or three years. Just the guys they have are so good. But when you look at Alabama, they just they look so confident. They never look worried when they're when they're playing, whether they're down, whether they're in a close game. They always look confident that they're going to be able to get the job done. And I think that you can really attribute that to the presence of Tua Tagovailoa. For such a young young man, he looks like a seasoned veteran. He looks like he's been been playing in the NFL for ten years and has a couple of Super Bowls under his belt. He looks that confident in the pocket and under center, and I think that'll be the X factor in this game. It's just the the confidence level and the the knowingness, if that's even a word, that he was here in this situation last year and that he can get the job done again. So I'm going to take Alabama. I'll take him by six. I'm not, I'm not going to throw out a score like Jimmy does. I'm just going to, I'm going to stick with what the spread is now. I think Alabama wins by six. I'm going to go with Clemson. I'll just pick Clemson and it's, it's a bit of an upset, but I, I think they can do it. I've, I've been really impressed with how they've played all year. You know, it, the conventional wisdom is to go with Alabama, but I will say that there are really concerns about that that defense and the, their ability to deal with, with Oklahoma, and I know that they're a really great offense, but I think that that Clemson is of that caliber. They may, may not be as dynamic, but they've got they've got some, some darn good players on that offensive side. And I think Trevor Lawrence is really the difference maker. I think that if, if we're talking, sitting here talking about Kelly Bryant playing in this game, I think Alabama is far and away the favorite and far and away would win. But I think Trevor Lawrence's ability just as a passer over a guy like Kelly Bryant really makes a huge difference for Clemson. And I think that the deficiency on the defensive side of the ball that Alabama has will come back to bite them a little bit. And I think that the defense, the caliber of defense that Clemson plays, especially in shutting down the rushing attack for Alabama, will allow them to keep the game close. And I think Trevor Lawrence can make enough plays to have Clemson pull off the upset. Yeah, this one's so tough to pick, and it could go either way. And I wouldn't. Nothing would surprise me in this game. I think it's going to be one possession. I think it's going to be knockdown, drag out. I think it's going to be low scoring. 
I am also going to go with Clemson. Um, I hmm. I said all year, I said Alabama's the best team, but I don't know. These last couple of weeks, the way the defense is looking. Plus, too, not to brag, my preseason pick was Clemson. Uh, I had Clemson beating Alabama like, you know, a lot of people did. Um, so I don't look at myself as some kind of genius here because clearly I'm not, and that's that's something that a lot of people had. But do I want – yeah, Clemson, final answer. Uh, I'm going Clemson 24-21. Uh, I think Lawrence, I think they got to score late. I think Lawrence plays well enough. I think they kind of keep Tua under wraps. So maybe that little bit more that he gets healthier, I think that's compensated for by just how good that Clemson defense is. And I, I think, I don't think he's going to have a bad night per se, but I, I just think that Clemson defense is really something else. And if they get Dexter Lawrence back, then uh, they they could put Tua in for a little bit of a long night. So, I, too, am going to go with Clemson. That may be the biggest regret of my life. I really don't know. But, <laughs> guys, great show this week. Happy New Year. And I, I really hope you guys enjoy the national title game as much as I will because it's going to be unbelievably good. I'm excited. I can't wait. Best two teams in the country. This is what we've been waiting for all year. I will expect a great game, and I'm sure we're going to get one. It's going to be great. So, hopefully we do get a great game. This has been this week's edition of College Gridiron. For Nick DeLuca, Matt Costantini, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy next Monday night.